0: And welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Serena Louth, and my wonderful friend and co-host Sarah Malcolm.
3: Kitchen Club is the podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table. Each week brings a new guest into our lives, a new area of expertise, and a chat to get stuck into. Also, we have a new recipe which is created using our guests' three favourite ingredients
0: on top of all that we also ask our guests for their healthy habit which is something they do daily or just whenever they need to rebalance and reground themselves sarah and i both trial it out and discuss
3: how we got on with practicing their habit this season our recipes can all be found on our brand new patreon page which we invite you to join us and support us on so we'll leave the link for that in the show notes below this episode
0: Today's guest is Rhiannon Lambert, a registered nutritionist, best selling author, and founder of leading Harley Street clinic, Retrition. Rhiannon is widely known for her extremely qualified approach to nutrition in weight management, disordered eating, gut health, and sports nutrition. Although today we are actually talking to her all about her journey into motherhood.
3: This chat with Rhiannon is so beautifully honest and raw, and we really can't thank her enough for being so open about her experience. It's so important that we share these battles that we go through to know that we're not alone in what we're experiencing. So here is the
0: wonderful Rhiannon Lambert on Kitchen Club.
3: Hello, Rhiannon Lambert. Hello. Welcome to Kitchen Club, Brie. It's such a pleasure to have you, honestly. Thank you so much for finding the time to speak to us.
1: Absolute pleasure. I can't wait to get started.
3: (laughs) Shall we start off by talking about
0: your three favourite ingredients?
1: Oh, yeah. So I love the fact that you asked me this. Um, Yes. Right. So the three I picked, and I'll try and do it in order of preference. So number one would have to be an aubergine just because or eggplant to those listening that perhaps obviously refer to it as eggplant it has to be my favorite veg in the entire world whenever I go out to a restaurant if there is an aubergine dish I am all over it be it parmigiana kind of style melon is it melanzane Melanzane. yeah melanzane Mm. that's so so good and then miso so miso aubergine would be my favorite dish and my (sighs) how would i say my kind of experiences with aubergine whenever i go out like i said there's always a miso aubergine on the menu chotomate is my favorite restaurant in london Yum. Yeah, so yes so good so good and that's peruvian style food mixed with a kind of asian twist and they have the most incredible miso aubergine with dried apricot chopped up with it with seeds of puffed rice i think yeah. and that's so good it's the texture And it wasn't until I started cooking with aubergine myself, I realised you actually have to soak it first if you want that really amazing texture, unless you cut it very finely. You know, the really gorgeous, gooey um, centre to the vegetable once you've roasted it. Yeah. Mm. So if you soak it with water, it will absorb a little bit. Or I don't think I've ever done that, actually. How long do you have to soak it for? I literally just run it over the tap for a minute. And that's what you need but it's quite porous and the type of vegetable itself is like a sponge. So it's great to have a little bit of moisture in it and then you can cook it and it's, it's, it's sublime. So.
3: Oh, I've got one in, in well, I was going to make what Serena's made. So I've got it
1: ready to go. Um, but maybe I have to buy another one and do something else with it. Well, there you go. See, mine, unfortunately, has to go to my son today, which is a bit disappointing because he hasn't had aubergine yet. And I was like, damn it, I have to steam it for him. I can't cook it the oh, way I Oh, like
3: yeah, <laughs> because you're weaning. How, yeah. exciting. How exciting. It is exciting.
1: Um, but obviously, you have to keep things very, very plain. and no, Nothing It's just the purest form of the vegetable you will find mm. steamed. So that would be aubergine, number one. Uh, Number two would be figs and I had to really think of figs would come first or aubergine second but aubergine just just pipped it to the post there. Uh, Figs whenever I think of um, my favorite fruit it's always a fig and this time of year that we're recording we're just coming out of that kind of season where they were just so good. When they're fresh they're unbelievably delectable. And, and there's no wonder why in the olden days, so I used to read Philippa Gregory books a lot, kind of um, fiction based on Tudor times. And in those sorts of books, they'd always say, oh, and a fig would be this incredible treat that they would get, um, the royal families. And you can totally see why, because when you pick one fresh off a tree, there is nothing like it. Yeah. I remember working on a retreat in France when I was at university. I think it was in my second year and I was I was an assistant. I was basically working in the kitchen on a health retreat. And I remember having to go to the tree and eating all the figs when I was meant to be picking them from all (laughs) the (laughs) guests. And I ate so many, I felt sick. So, um, but now they are my favourite fruit in the world. And my wedding day, I actually had a fig crumble because I'm obsessed Mm, with crumble and figs. Um, Look at you both there. Yeah, that that was a good dessert. I Um, had that one made up especially for everybody at the wedding. So, (gasps) And it, I felt like I would a never
0: thinking of putting figs in a crumble.
1: I know. It's because I guess it's just not traditional. The traditional thing is apple or berries, isn't it? Mm. Or perhaps a rhubarb type style in the UK. But try a fig. I, the texture is insane. And I think it's extremely sweet. You have to have a sweet tooth because it kind of caramelizes as it's cooked. So that's on top of the quite sweet topping. Unless you take the sugar out, of course, and you try and do a kind of healthier nut-based crumble topping. But yeah, it's good. Oh, sounds divine. And your third one, really? Yes. Um, I'll try and keep this shorter. I'm giving you very long answers. No, do it. <laughs> <food>. It's great. <laughs> I can tell I'm a foodie, right? Um, The third one is truffle. And that is the most indulgent thing ever. And I just spent the most money I've ever spent on my food shop because I bought truffle oil because I'm obsessed (laughs) ever since um, I went to Boysenberry in Fulham, which is a really nice kind of cute cafe. And they do the most incredible truffled eggs. And now I'm not going into London as much. I was like, I'm missing my truffle. So I bought some truffle oil and gosh, a tiny bit goes a long way. It's so potent that it actually does, it,
3: lasts, it? it lasts forever. Serena and I kindly got sent some Elizu products and they've got a really delicious artichoke pesto with truffle in it. And I've
1: mm-hmm. had it all weekend. So I'm so truffled mm-hmm. out, but it's incredible, incredible. Yeah, it, it's, it's very rich. And I think it's one of those ones where if you're lucky enough to go to Italy or somewhere, you have to have fresh truffle and in your pastas and things when you're away because it's just one of those ingredients that it's a bit much of a muchness sometimes. But then when you pull it out the cupboard after a while, you're like, oh yeah, that's good.
0: You're making yeah, me good. so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it is lunchtime. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, yeah. actually, my my best truffle thing is my husband is obsessed with making truffle popcorn.
3: Ooh.
0: Pop it, you're like, have, do you, like homemade pop popcorn, truffle oil, and loads of mold and sea salt. And it's so good. Yeah.
1: I wonder if I could add cheese as well to truffle truffle cheese is that sounding a bit much Mm.
3: right now no not at all (laughs) yum Mm. um sabrina why don't you tell us what recipe you have created so i'm
0: gonna be i'm gonna be really honest i'm really naughty i know what i'm going to make you but i haven't made it yet so so (laughs) i will i'm i've got it blocked out in my diary tomorrow (gasps) and then i'm going to send you the recipe we are going to be having virtually uh baked truffle aubergine and mushroom balls in like a Mm. herby tomatoey sauce with flatbreads yeah and then for the figs because you you gave us three that I couldn't squeeze together I love the challenge of trying to put all three together but it just wasn't going to happen and then some oaty fig cookies which hopefully you will love if you love fig crumble because it's kind of the same ingredients
1: but done differently. Oats nearly were one of my top three choices so the fact that that's made it bingo that sounds delicious. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. I mean usually we cook it for
3: you. I know.
0: I know.
1: We will one day. Yeah let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) When all this is over I'll come over for the balls and the oat cookies.
3: (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Right let's get into the meaty part of it all of what we want to speak to you about because obviously Rhi you are so known for being a nutritionist that is what you do day to day but you've recently become a mother and what an experience that is and I think it's such um an incredible time to talk about motherhood in what what we've been moving through so we want to speak to you about about that and sort of your experiences because I know so many women personally I know them and I know that so many women will benefit from hearing this in a time that they might have felt a bit alone so first of all we just want to know how you're finding it all like how has this transition been for you and having a having your gorgeous son Zachary
1: in this time um well first of all obviously the answer that I'm sure everyone would say is it's the best thing in the entire world it the love is just overwhelming and With the love, though, comes this also overarching um, worry because you are keeping a child alive. You're feeding a child. I'm still breastfeeding, so from my own body is keeping this child alive which first of all is pretty crazy to get your head around yeah. um your body isn't yours anymore you're sharing it for potentially a year or more or however long that journey may be and if you're formula feeding your baby it's the same thing it's up to you to give that milk to your child you know you are very responsible um and the bond is incredible i described it um to a friend the other day as imprinting like on twilight it's you, know,
0: see,
1: you imprint on the wolf or the wolf on the the object of love, love. <laughs> yeah yeah you know <laughs> and it's you, you can't all you can think about 24 7 is that being it's incredible but it's been extremely challenging I think if we um discuss the current time obviously I gave birth in the peak of the pandemic so actually the week of the record recorded highest cases for me in the hospital and I'd planned a home birth and it didn't happen and I ended up in the hospital and I was terrified to be honest because I think at that time we didn't know the impact that coronavirus would would have we didn't have any we didn't know anything everybody was just pretty scared um didn't have any food on the supermarket shelves it was a very strange time to be having a baby and of course then you're in isolation with a baby so for me not having anyone come around to see your child um meant there were pros and cons you develop this incredible bond with your child and my husband got to be at home for much longer than he would have done and both of us didn't have any maternity or paternity leave because the nature of our jobs Mm. so we were given this time we wouldn't have otherwise had so that is a blessing yeah and the downside is that my mental health was immensely affected so I developed psychosis in the hospital um I still sometimes do hear Zachary crying when 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 he's not and that's tough. I think, um, and I'm very open and honest about the fact that I didn't even know what psychosis was before I had a baby. I didn't know that that was a common, um, more common than you think, side effect of giving birth. For anyone who doesn't know me, could you just explain a little? So postpartum psychosis can manifest in a variety of ways. I think um, the shape and form mine took on was that other people walking around became vessels for another voice that I was hearing, um, telling me that like my child will be taken away from me because of coronavirus, because that was the panic at the time. I believed people were watching me, talking about me, saying bad things about me, that I'm a terrible mum. It because you have a lack of sleep for so long. So sleep mm. deprivation can cause these thoughts to manifest. Um, and I'm probably to be honest, I'm sure a psychologist or psychiatrist could give a much better explanation than I could, because I'm talking at as as it's lived experience. experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, But for some mums, it can be a lot worse than even I had it to the point where they're not safe to be around their baby. So for me, it was that I was scared my baby would be taken away from me. For other mums, it can be that the baby becomes a scary thing for them. So it's really, really serious. But if you think about it, I mean, I didn't sleep for five days in the end straight. I was up for 24 hours a day for five days. That's not healthy. I mean, they torture people with sleep deprivation. <laughs> that's the effect yeah. it has. Um, so I think psychosis should, is something people should be aware of because many women going in don't have the dreamy labor. Um, and great if you do, and that's wonderful, but you should be aware that sleep is such an important part. And if you're able to get support with your partner or your friend, whoever's in the hospital, just to get two or three hours, that's all I needed was a three to four hour stint to feel more human again. Mm.
3: How did you sort of? How were you able to get out of then uh, out of that experience? But just from
1: just from the sleep, did that help? Straight away, kind of. Um, I've had a lot of therapy for it, which yeah. because it took a while for me to gain my confidence again in terms of the fact that COVID wasn't going to harm my baby and me, and that took a long time uh, because obviously the news every day. I switched off the news, so I was just seeing a death toll rising, and it wasn't a very pleasant time. Um, It causes anxiety to heighten massively. But my husband was allowed in, because of course, another part of this, I should add, is that I had to give birth and then not see, I was alone. My husband, I had to give birth in a mask and he had to leave. And I didn't see him for five days. So he didn't meet his son. And they only let him in because my mental health deteriorated so badly. Um, So once he came in and was allowed to be with me, that helped because I had support. friendly face I knew I wasn't dealing with this mental health illness by myself which at the time we hadn't recognized in the hospital because I'm on a ward with loads of other people I just internalized yeah gosh so scary yeah you don't know what's real and what's not and I remember when he came in he was sat in the chair because I was moved to a side room because obviously the more voices I could hear on the ward the worse it was getting and I remember hiding behind his chair at one point saying, they're outside the room. There's these people, they're going to come and take me and Zachary away. And I was absolutely, yeah, it's making me, yeah, it's making me well up a bit when I talk about it. But it's important that you do. Yeah. Um, and he was like, there's no one there. And I had a go at him and said he couldn't hear it properly. So <laughs> like, your hearing's wrong. <laughs> they're definitely out there. Wow. That's. Awful. When you, I think I'm quite a switched on person normally, and I'm quite resilient and for suddenly to be hit by something. So it took him doing a night feed for me, basically. And I learned how to pump in the first week, which isn't normally advised for mums, but actually helped in the long term with my milk supply. And Zachary now takes bottle and boob, which is great for me. Mm. Because he's had it from week one of his life. Yeah. Um, so. It means I'm able to give him to my husband to do a feed so I could have a break. Because in the early days, they're attached to you pretty much 24-7. And it's, um, it's hard to get any rest. and Let alone being in a hospital, you get checks every four hours. So someone will always be in your room and it's relentless.
3: It just, it really brings home what women go through, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it's hard enough giving birth in, in its own time, let alone in the middle of the, the height of a pandemic. Just, Wow.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, it could have been a lot worse. You know, um, Zachary nearly ended up in the um, the intensive care unit for breathing when he was born, but he miraculously suddenly started breathing and we could have, God, I can't even tell you how that felt, but there are mums there that had to go through that without any support with them, mm. with their baby. is in an incubator and is fighting for its life without support. There were, I mean, there were so many situations you hear of women that had miscarriages at that time that couldn't have anybody yeah. with them in the hospital. Um This year in general has been tough for all NHS and everybody suffering with any sort of ailment at the moment or condition. But as we're discussing pregnancy and mums, I think that was overlooked by the government for quite a while. And now they're finally starting to realise, actually, I think women need partners with them when they are going for these important life changing moments. Quite important
0: definitely i've never had such a strong physical reaction to someone telling a story i feel sick and i feel like my eyes are welling up yeah. i like i can't
1: imagine what that was like for you yeah i'm so, yeah, i'm i'm sorry to make anybody feel that way because it's it is sad and you know it i almost feel guilty sometimes still and this is where therapy comes in Where if I speak about it because I don't want other people to feel that way but equally you have to speak because otherwise you wouldn't be aware and I actually had people message me on my social media accounts after I'd shared that this had happened to me saying this has just happened to me and if I hadn't heard your story I wouldn't have known that I was hearing things that weren't true and I managed to get the help so actually, the more we discuss things as women that we're open and we talk, you won't be shocked when it happens to you. Because no. it wasn't even brought up in my antenatal that that could be a thing. I didn't know what it was.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the beauty and power of, of social media in that way, isn't it? That you can help someone's life so much just by sharing what you're going through.
1: Oh, 100%. And one thing that definitely needs to improve is hospital food because that was not good. And I couldn't leave. You can't leave in COVID to go out and get food or people can't bring anything in. So you are stuck with the meals that they provide of you in hospitals. Yeah. Um, yeah, that needs to get a An experience better. in itself.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It was. The the reason I think it's so important to talk about it, I've never heard of postpartum psychosis, and I know lots of people that have babies. I'm an aunt four times, and like you know, for it to be something that I that has never even crossed my radar when like I'm not completely detached from the the baby scene, from you know people with children, then that's incredible to be able to share that with people.
1: Well, I think a lot of people may not even realise sometimes it doesn't have to be like with every kind of mental health. Disorder or experience that it comes on a spectrum. And there are some people that will suffer with it to extremes, like I did very acutely in that moment in time. And there are some people where it can be chronic, so it can be ongoing. And I think with sleep deprivation in particular, new parents are so susceptible to hearing things. And actually, even my partner's admitted sometimes it's like, oh, is that Zachary crying? Because you're so sleep deprived, it rings to you. And I'm sure a lot of mums, if you do ask them, like, oh, if you ever heard your baby crying when he's not, they'll they'll actually say, well, yeah, sometimes I think I don't have to check the monitor. I'm like, oh, it's fine. So we don't realize the impact it has on our mental health. The sleep deprivation is so tough. And for so many women, it's really on them because if you're not expressing into a bottle feed as well, and it's purely on the boob, no one else can do that for you, but you. So for women, women are heroes. I mean, they are warriors. We can, there's a reason that women were chosen to do this job, can I just say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> go women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, just do, you just do it. I used to think I couldn't cope without eight hours sleep. And I'm not advising anybody to go without that because that is the recommended amount by the World Health Organization. But when you are a parent, you don't get it, obviously. And you just, you just do it. You do it for your child because you love them. And actually that moment when you're feeding is actually really special. And I know that I'm going to really miss it when one day it comes to an end.
3: Mm, just have, have, have another one.
1: Oh, do it. <laughs> okay, this is the thing everybody says. And I always thought I would be that 2.4 children kind of thing. I'll probably have two, you know, brother or sister or sister or sister, brother, brother, whatever. And actually when you're in the midst of it, I can't even imagine having another one. But then everybody says to me, just you wait just you give it a year and then you're that's something you you'll just forget everything i was like really will I because so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah who, who knows who knows and then since you
0: got home from the hospital um I mean I know that was a long time ago now but clearly being a first-time mum is just like a constant stream of lessons what do you feel like has been your biggest lesson or realization and also then I guess any particularly big struggles that you've come up against in the last six months?
1: So there have been quite a few, and I'm sure many, many mums can relate. And actually what keeps you sane is speaking to other mums because it really, really helps. Um, The first would be the initial worry about the breastfeeding because I had support in the hospital and we were very lucky. He latched on straight away, but I knew something wasn't right. So mums have, you have to trust your gut feeling and you have to become confident doing that. Because after I would say it was week four, week five, I was just thinking, this isn't normal. He's feeding for up to 45 to 50 minutes. Now, before I know it, he's back on again within half an hour. And this can't be that long. I mean, I know it's long, but it can't be that long. And sure enough, my son had a tongue tie, but because of COVID, it wasn't diagnosed till week eight. So we had two whole months of feeding a certain way. And my son was working so damn hard to get any milk out because of his tongue tie I'm amazed he didn't lose weight. He just wasn't growing. He dropped from the 50th percentile. So when you're looking at baby growth charts, um, that means 50% of the population will be bigger and 50% of babies will be smaller than him. And he dropped down to the 25th, so meaning more babies. So he went down a little bit. And then we had to seek out private at the time. Obviously, if you're listening now, you can get this on the NHS because the services are up and running again. But we had to drive a good two hour journey to find anybody that would still see my son in COVID to do a tongue tie cut. That was an experience seeing a child be pinned to a table, your baby and literally snipped. And then you have to latch them straight back on again and be prepared that there is blood in the mouth. It's a very weird feeling. And then he had to learn to feed from scratch all over again. And that's when I could have given up. So breastfeeding then was tough. It was tough for him and tough for me. And I remember just crying, bouncing on my Swiss ball, trying to calm him down, with him trying to get on my boob. And it stalled his weight progression by I'd say about three to four weeks. So I had this huge anxiety that my baby was smaller than all the other babies I could see. Comparison as a mum with your child is just the same as comparison as an adult comparing yourself to others. Do not it's look of joy. At, yeah, it's the thief of joy. And your child is unique and your baby is unique, but I lost sleep over worrying because you don't see how much milk you're giving your child you don't there's no way of knowing unless you do do bottle feeding and I'll sleep over thinking he's too small you know this has really held him back maybe I should just give up maybe I should just switch to expressing only and pumping forever or formula milk and actually I'm really glad I persevered because now he's jumped back up to the 50th but it took five months to get him back up and he go feeds like a dream yeah go Zachary so <laughs> It, but then I, if you don't have support, you know, and I had access to, from my social media, again, thank goodness for social media, I had access to other health professionals on there, I could see their posts about tongue ties, I could, I spoke to other mums that went through the same thing, my friend Lucy had a baby a month before Zachary and she went through a tongue tie as well, and we both went to the same person because of COVID, it, it, tongue tie would be number one, feeding anxiety about weight gain number two, Um number Three would be child development milestones thinking is my child okay because according to the internet he should be doing this at week 15. Then the desperate panic to get into a routine. I mean Mm. I know that there's and a lot of judgment being online so if we discuss the judgment first for new mums the worst thing you can do is go on these net mum sites and um always crazy advice that is not backed by evidence and may not apply to you and it just soars your anxiety higher and we all google it you're up at 3am and you're googling you know how much milk should my baby be getting out my boob? should I switch from left to right boob right now what, what am I meant to be doing everyone googles these types of things but I wish I hadn't as much and I'm mm. a health professional and I still did it so um it's this overwhelming anxiety and worry um, and being judged online, I found that particularly hard. Yeah. I think you're in your most vulnerable place and there are people that are still unkind to you on the internet. So the internet may be helpful, but please put your barriers up because it's, you know, there's a lot of times where I am, um, yeah, I really struggled with, with online yeah, mum judgment. And bet. it's from other mums actually a lot of the time, which is quite quite worrying and you just have to remind yourself they're obviously not in a good place. So no, and it's probably just a projection of their own feelings as well. Yeah. Being moved into something else. Yeah. Exactly. About feeding. Um, you know, I was trying, I think I remember saying, oh, I've got caught out. I just went for a walk and in the newborn days, you end up breastfeeding in the middle of the road because you can't go in COVID you can't go into a building anywhere and sit down there's, no, there's nowhere to go so you are stuck with the road and you and that's what happens but I remember I showed that and then I had some comments saying oh you're just saying that breastfeeding's in blah blah just I'm not even going to go into it and um, but that would be another thing online judgment and then sleep routine so we started with Zachary at week eight we started putting dark and getting him used to night and day, which I think is very helpful for parents. We would eat in the dark in our flat because we only had, we had a one bed flat at the time um, when we had Zachary and the kitchen was the living room was everything. The sleeping room was kind of everything. And then there was our bedroom. Um, and yeah, we would do that, which got him used to it. But then week 14 came and we were able to start doing nap routines. And from then onwards, we've never looked back and it's been really helpful.
3: I bet. Wow giving you a whole whole time
1: yeah you have to teach your baby to self-settle and that was the hardest thing and it can take some babies a very long time and there are some people that believe that until they're six months old there's no point even starting with routines however I can say from anecdotal experience for me it definitely worked from four months onwards we had a few occasions where he slept through the night and that's because of the nap routine in the day Mm. But every baby is different Of course. Yeah. One
3: of our friends actually
1: recently told me about
3: the app. Is it called Leap? The Wonder Weeks. Wonder Weeks. Okay. But it has the leaps in it when your baby's having a leap. And that just sounds like genius because every baby is different in their physical development, mental development. So, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know about that, do you know about this Serena? Your No,
0: I was about to say, what is that?
1: No, Rhiannon, tell us a little bit. So a leap is every parent's worst nightmare. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely horrendous because they're going through all these developmental growth things and it keeps them from sleeping well. They may become more clingy. A child may cry for no reason whatsoever. It's a lot going on in their brain. The worst one we had was when Zachary learned to roll over and suddenly he would do it in the middle of the night all night long. And we were running into the room constantly just trying to their back, and he'd start crying because he's upset. He's like, What's just happened to me? So, it's when they master a new skill, or they see patterns for the first time, or they realize things are moments in time. So, they'll see a ball instead of dropping a ball to the ground and they only see it at the top and at the bottom, they'll see the transition where it, it hits the bottom and may bounce back up. And to them, that's a huge moment. So, this Wonder Week's out is again debated in literature as by some people not being accurate and evidence-based and you should ignore it. And then by other people, and I've actually found it really useful, um, being extremely helpful because it gives a window of time where your baby may potentially be going through these different developmental growth spurts. For me, it's been accurate every single time. Um but obviously take everything with a pinch of salt yeah um, of course but it's so reassuring because I use this app um whenever he's going for a bad spot and he's not sleeping and he's not teething and I'm tr- teething is another thing but he's not teething and I'm thinking what is going on I look on the app I'm like oh there's a rain cloud there it's a difficult time yeah it's, re- it's reassuring it's
3: very I educational bet. I bet it, it quite when I heard about it it kind of made me think of a period tracking type thing where you you're like oh why am I feeling so anxious or angry
1: and then you look you're like
3: oh went you on my period yeah. that's why it all slots into place
1: that's the one good thing if, if anyone out there is breastfeeding and listening is for lots of people it does d- delay your period for quite a while so I still haven't had mine back yet and I'm six months into breastfeeding and to be honest I'm quite enjoying it <laughs> <I bet. laughs> what a nice little break
3: yeah um Rihanna let's talk about and your work ethos and how you fit everything in because you're so wonderfully busy but like how on earth do you bring it all together has your work ethos changed since? yes how exactly
1: yes <laughs> yes <laughs> um I honestly don't think I have the best work-life balance at the moment I have to be very honest with um with that but I wouldn't have it any other way I'm, I'm in a very different situation where, you know, I own my own business and I am self-employed and I have staff members that are dependent on me to basically pay them every month. And with a pandemic, um, that meant that every job offer you get, you take, you do not turn it down. You know, it's a, you're lucky to get the work, you go with it. Yeah. So that's been a bit of an exceptional um, well, an exception, I would say, an exceptional exception to the to the normal rule, because um, whereas if the pandemic hadn't have happened, I would have taken three months or so, definitely off doing any nutrition work if I could, and I would have really enjoyed it. But we had to, my husband and I, make this decision together, where I basically just had to keep going, um, and it was actually easier in the newborn days, believe it or not, because they're asleep a lot of the time, even if they're on you asleep in a sling. You can do a lot more. But as they become more aware, and he doesn't have an afternoon nap anymore, we cut that. So he's got half an hour in the morning and two hours over lunch, which is when we're recording this podcast now. Those nap times are when I fit everything in, like everything. When he's awake, I can get away with maybe putting him in his high chair for half an hour, playing with some toys while I just run around when I'm looking at him to do the washing or the kitchen or make some phone calls. But yeah fitting it in you have to be super duper organized and you have to take a hit it's either you have a nap if you haven't slept well the night before you do a podcast or you do some work or you do some emails and then when they're in bed in the evening if they're not multiply waking up before 10 11 p.m sometimes they go down at six seven eight nine ten who knows (laughs) um that's when you prep the food for the next day weanings added another element of preparation that I have to put in but I've got a new machine now that steams and blends in one. Oh wow and it's a life changer and I think I'm going to use it called? for me it's a tommy tippy machine brilliant yeah it just you just chuck it in it steams it and then you click blend and then it blends it and it's just brilliant um no more saucepans and sieves and making a mess in my kitchen basically i, think I need one for myself <laughs> <laughs> they're really really good if you want to make a dip like a hummus or a puree maybe a beetroot dip side to your dish um they're great so in terms of work-life balance you just have to diarize things in and be extremely organized and ask for help when you can again i couldn't get the help because of covid for a long long time So I was probably not helping myself recover either from my mental health at that point in time because I wasn't getting as much rest. And I chose to keep my business running and financially, my family need that just as much as my staff need that. So I made a choice and I still think I made the right one. but. Um I would advise anybody listening not to do that if they have the choice and to take help when they can get it because it's even someone coming around, I wish we'd had the whole or oh, people can bring you food um mm, or but I was course. scared to even go to the supermarket at the time, so you you, you know you can 't really <laughs> yeah you couldn 't really do any of that, but now I have um one friend and we 're in a social bubble together, and we do um she comes over and helps me so even now when I'm recording this my anxiety is so much lower because she's upstairs and if Zachary cries she can see to him whereas before I was always on edge looking at my phone when I was recording podcasts like please don't wake up please don't wake up I bet wow what a comfort to have that technology is amazing I mean you can literally you can see if they're asleep or not it's it's incredible I know (laughs) and I can see when he rolls over and he's got a comforter now which is a nice new thing but running a business you've just got to be super duper organized you've got to want it you've got to love what you do you've got to be passionate you've got to put the hours in and there is no no way around that really and my self-care has taken a bit of a hit but I am determined to get it back and you will I bet you will
0: I have so much respect for you because I, on Friday, looked after my lung- youngest nephew, who is seven weeks old, I think. Mm-hmm. I ran up with a full day of work and was like, oh, he'll sleep, you know, feed him a couple of times. Clearly got three emails done in the whole day, which is this is actually why I haven't cooked your recipe yet. <laughs> um but it just made me think I was like wow this is actually really fitting to have done this before talking to you because it gives you such a good insight into like even when they're not crying they just like sometimes they just want to be held they just take up so much more time than you could ever imagine
1: they need stimulation and congratulations for the way because seven weeks as well. <laughs> oh so yeah it's that precious precious newborn stage it's It just takes stimulation and and babies grow and develop more from interaction with human beings rather than being plonked in front of a device or even a toy or a machine so actually you you don't want to be away from them that's the difficult thing is that you want to spend time looking at them and at that particular age seven weeks I don't think they can see very far either so the reason they want to be so close to you as well is that they just see a kind of blurred outline they don't see the the facial details yet and they can't see past um, your hand if you hold it out in front of you so they need, you know, they, they need you. They still think they're part of the womb. Like they still think they're part of the mum for the first 12, 14 weeks. They think they're you, they're you. It's very strange. (laughs) So you you have to, being a mum is, is a responsibility that shouldn't be taken lightly. It's, you know, you are now a caregiver as well. And I think it's a joyous thing, but it's also a decision and it should be taken seriously.
0: And we've had lots of, um, we've had a few episodes already with people where we've talked about periods and fertility and stuff. So we'd love to just hear briefly about how your experience with pregnancy was, if you're happy to share that with us.
1: Yeah, um, pregnancy is fascinating, isn't it? I think the whole thing just blows my mind. I remember seeing Sarah at my House; we were there together, and I was like, growing this baby. It's just yeah. this, the weirdest, the weirdest thing. Um, so my pregnancy journey. Unfortunately, um, I was ill throughout the entire pregnancy. So I was one of those where the morning sickness didn't go. And I didn't actually get my taste back until six weeks post birth. So it was wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy food. You could, I tried everything, um, all my favorite takeaways, everything. And I, I would just eat because I knew I had to for the baby. But eating just knowing you're going to throw it up again isn't the most enjoyable experience. Um, the The most amazing thing would be feeling the kicks and the movement and those magical moments. But pregnancy is tough. I'm going to keep it real by saying I struggled. Mm. I, I was so tired. I had pelvic girdle pain as well towards the end. So walking was blooming painful. Um, I could walk so slowly and every step would hurt. But I knew I had to keep moving to be fit and healthy for the baby. Um, the anxiety of not knowing the whole due date thing. I mean, your due date is not your due date. Who knows when your yeah. due date is? I was two weeks over and it was horrendous. Um, I was speaking to, the, <laughs>
3: with, to um, Ella about this actually, yeah. um, when her first pregnancy and she said, people hold on to the due date due date so much, but when your baby is ready to come out, it'll come out. And we need to sort of let go of it, will be on this date. If it's not, then I'll
1: worry. Well, it's they put it, the NHS put it in your head that you should worry if you're up to 42 weeks. So 40 is the expected average, which whatever and then 42 weeks for me was the latest cut off and they want to induce you because of risk of stillbirths and the risk is higher basically the longer you leave it but that doesn't mean that you should be induced so it's a decision that you have to take as a mum to be now I went with the um, advice I was given and actually I don't think it helped because I had um, oh what was it called Oh, my mind's gone blank. Baby brain. Another thing memory loss is terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had this thing where they, this sounds a bit crude, but they put their hand inside you and they move it around and they try to stimulate around the cervix, the prostaglandins, or the, to kind of. Stimulate. The sweep. Yes. Oh, it was so painful. It's had a such sweep- a
0: horrid name.
1: Oh. <laughs> I thought I could handle it, right? I was like, oh, this can't be that painful. Oh, it was excruciating. And I remember lying on the sofa, having a sweep, and then it was unsuccessful the first time. Then I had to have another one a week later. And that that triggered my waters that then only half broke. And that means the risk of infection goes up. So if I didn't deliver, this put pressure on me straight away. Within 24 hours, I'd have to go into the hospital, um, which obviously I then had to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So there's all these different things that... um, inductions uh artificial hormone stimulation home births are rare first time around i know ella had a gorgeous home birth she was actually my inspiration i hired the same doula that ella had but because of covid that never happened for me either i couldn't have the doula um but there are magical birth stories and there are tough ones and i think everybody should listen to both the same with pregnancy listen to everything you possibly can if if it's useful I had some friends that didn't want to listen to anything and they actually found that better because then they had no expectation and they exactly. just yeah. went with the flow whereas I like to know and I wish I'd know more actually even more than I'd already looked into that's in your nature though isn't it yeah to yes. know it all yeah, yeah. So, yeah to rather, absorb that information yeah I feel like education's power for me and if, if you kind of know at least you know what to expect and it's not as scary But I did a lot of hypnobirthing. And I think in a weird way, it set me up to fail a bit because I had this expectation that because I was hypnobirthing, I was empowered and I could do this. It was amazing. And then when it all went wrong, I wasn't as empowered and it wasn't amazing. So (laughs) you have to just look at everything.
3: (laughs) And I think that's so important to note for for anyone listening who's experienced this or is pregnant or whenever, whenever you're well, whatever stage in your life you're at, just to sort of let go of that attachment and that expectation, yes. and it could be towards pregnancy or anything, literally anything. But to yeah, we're all so different, and we're all going to experience things in different
1: ways. There so there's no right or wrong with anything in life, and I think that's so important to reiterate that even me sharing my experience with you girls today, I hope people listening know that there are so many positive, wonderful experiences, and I wouldn't change even going through everything if you know, pregnancy was not as magical for me, but I did have good skin. You know, there's always, (laughs) there's always a pro to the the con. So just remember that, that I would never change a thing because I got Zachary from it. So, and
3: it shaped you now as a woman, as a mother, stronger than ever. Oh yeah. What an experience, what an experience to be.
0: Just a quick recommendation on that for anybody who is really, I have like a incredible fascination with birth i don't know why i just want to hear it all there's a really good podcast called australian birth stories Ooh. there is loads of um really honest stories some some that went well some that didn't some home births, some cesareans it's a great mixture okay. so anybody listening is interested it's one of that my favorite podcasts
1: you know i might check that out just to reminisce a bit and listen to some more stories and I reminisce. just think, you know, rem- reminisce about birth, like you do, but also for anyone that's struggling, Tommy's Pregnancy Hub is the UK accredited kind of go-to platform with all the evidence-based advice anyone needs if they're pregnant listening. And I would recommend just checking that out for some oh, two- great. go-to's. Thank you, Rhiannon. It's perfect.
3: Um, let's end then, Rhi, on your healthy habit. I mean, I feel like you've already snuck it in, kind of, in here. Can you remember what you told us? you probably know what 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 is my healthy habit what do I do for myself well you say you make a date in the diary for yourself every day
1: so my date from tomorrow as well is the best one I've got because I've got a whole hour not just half an hour so I put in note to self now it's this new thing I've just started in my diary because as we've just said the podcast may take up one nap time but I may have a bit more somewhere else and my note to self is that I just stop for however long I have, and maybe I watch a bit of TV, which I've forgotten how to do. It's amazing how you just don't have time to do this kind of things, Or I make a hot chocolate and I just sit there and I enjoy that. Or I call a friend and that is my me time. But I have to put it in my diary because that's just the nature of my life. And some people may think that's really blumming weird, but you've got to do what works for you. And once you write something down, it also solidifies in your memory. And then if you repeat it or say it out loud to someone, like now we've said that out loud to each other, I'll remember myself time, even more (laughs) than just looking in my diary, then you solidify another memory and another bit of your brain is used. So it's
3: accountability as well, isn't it? It makes you you accountable. 100%. I mean, I would say, because we normally, Rhiannon, we we trial these out before we, before we um, chat with our guests, but I'm very good at doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot more time than you, Serena. Th- actually, Serena, I feel like you are someone who needs to write in your diary time for yourself.
0: I do. I diarize everything and I love your healthy habit because it's actually something that I recommend to lots of my clients, whether it's that they need time for self-care or that they need time to do... Ooh got post-it notes falling down, or they need time to do something just for the fun of it. But I tell them, put it in your diary. You don't have to plan it. But when it gets to that time, feel into what it is that you actually need in that moment because a lot of people will say like oh I'm going to go to yoga that's my time today that's my time today and then it gets to that time and their body's exhausted and the last thing they need to do is yoga and actually like you said they'd be better to make a cup of tea and sit and look out the window for half an hour so I think it's really nice to use your intuition with that
1: intuition is so important and actually you made a, a comment as so both of you have throughout this podcast saying oh well you know obviously I don't have a baby or but it's all relative and I think it's so important that before I had a baby as well I was equally stressed for time it's, it's just you deal with what your life throws at you at that point in time so you don't need to feel guilty about taking a bit of time out for you just because your friend may be busier than you it's still relative to you and I think that's so, so important. And on the exercise front, I used to look at exercise as a bit of me time as well. And I guess in a way it is, but it doesn't really nourish the soul for me in the same way as sometimes taking a bit of time out. And I've never exercised so little in my life right now. So, and I can honestly say just walking around is sometimes enough. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant advice. Oh, Rhiannon, thank
3: you so, so much for coming on. It has been such a joy to speak with
1: you. Good. Well, thank you. And um, I really hope that it's it's been helpful sharing um, my experiences with your lovely listeners. And thank you to both of you and for this amazing recipe, which I cannot wait to try. I know. We we both were we were planning it and we were like,
3: this sounds amazing. Uh-huh. This, this is going to be so great. So I'm excited to try it too. Thank you, Rhiannon. Thank Have you a funny. lovely day. Bye. <gasps> Bye. Thank you so so much Rhiannon for joining us. It continues to amaze me just what women go through and how absolutely wild and also magnificent our bodies are. It's been such a tough year for us all so I do hope if you're listening and have experienced anything similar to Rhiannon that hearing her story has helped a little in knowing you're not alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And equally, if you know of anyone who you think might benefit from hearing this chat, then please do share the episode with them. If you would like to get in on our heavenly recipe of baked truffle aubergine balls with tomato and flatbread and the figgy oaty cookies, then join us over on our Patreon page. Details are in the show notes below. Please do keep sharing and subscribing and feel free to leave us a lovely review over on iTunes as we love
3: hearing from you. You can also find us over on Instagram where we share more content and love. So follow us there at Kitchen Club Podcast. Thanks so much
2: for listening. Goodbye. Bye.